T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. EGB nominal, where the universe is a figment of its own imagination. All systems remain nominal, nominal, nominal. Hello everybody and welcome to this special episode of TGB Nominal, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. Joining me from the other side of the Atlantic is my co-host for the evening, John Berger. How's it going, fella? Marty, we've got to get you back to the future! <laughs> yeah, as, as we record this episode, it is the 21st of October 2015 and you know what that means. It's Back to the Future Day. Absolutely. Uh, the, the internet has just been uh, a vast amass of Back to the Future <laughs> stuff going on. Uh, the, one of our TV networks in, in the UK this evening has played all three movies, plus uh, a massive documentary about Back to the Future as well. I splurged. I got the uh, Blu-ray collector edition. Yeah, I, I kind of made a complaint to Universal about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right, because you guys don't get the animated series with yours, do you? No. That's right. So, so we, uh, yeah, yeah, I might be able to help you with, with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of get stiffed, actually, because, I, mean, you, you, I mean, you've been going on uh, on Facebook about the, uh, the, the Pepsi Perfect saga. Oh, my saga. God. What, what a debacle. <laughs> to anyone who doesn't know what happened, if you remember back in Back to the Future 2... Marty comes to 2015, and he goes into Cafe 80s, and he eventually ends up getting a bottle of Pepsi Perfect. Well, Pepsi had this great idea. Let's make that bottle available. It'll be the standard Pepsi that that they offer, the Pepsi throwback with sugar instead of corn syrup and all that stuff. But some marketing buffoon and his management were like, let's see, there are tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of fans who would love to get this. Um, we're only going to make 6500 And we're going to make it at a price where anybody really could afford it. This is just brilliant. Dar, 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 dar. Really? It's, it's, and, and so it just went nuts. And then Amazon stupidly put it up for sale early, which sent everybody freaking out. And then everybody's like, well, what's this going to be sold? Oh, it's already sold out. Massive just Twitter hysteria on that one. And it just then Walmart finally came back and said, OK, yeah, we're going to offer it at nine o'clock Eastern in the morning. Fine. And everybody was just so focused on that. That I was like, okay, let me just keep refreshing the Amazon page to see what happens. And I never even saw it go out of stock in uh, Walmart's site. But there was enough attention deflected away from Amazon that you had about two minutes to get one from Amazon. And I managed to nab one. None of that forgives the, the, the absolute stupidity of Pepsi's uh, public relations and marketing people. Because this was just an absolute blunder. <laughs> Absolute blunder. 6,500 bottles for tens or hundreds of millions of fans around the world? Mm-hmm. Really? I, I honestly do hope that somebody got his butt chewed out, possibly even fired for this. What they really should do now is, as an apology, come out and say, look, we're just going to make it available for the rest of the year, and we're going to donate 
whatever, 10% of the proceeds, 20%, whatever, to the Michael J. Fox Organization oh, for Parkinson's yep. Disease Research. Yeah, the up, yeah, the up to eight to eight um, trust, whatever they call it. Yeah. Yeah, but they just told it. And I even was like, you know what? That's a great idea. So I went and I donated what I paid for the bottle. I also donated that to the Michael J. Fox organization. And it was just, uh, I'm just trying to understand who thought at Pepsi that this was actually a good idea. And meanwhile, those people who did get it at like Comic-Con and so forth, they're selling it on eBay for $700 or more, which is disgusting. Yeah, it's Absolutely disgusting. So yeah, th- this was just a major, major PR blunder on, on Pepsi's behalf. And they just, someone really needs to get their butt chewed out for this. There's also, just, I don't know if it was true or false, uh, online uh, there was a post about uh, Nike uh, have actually made a pair of that these. Is true. It is actually true. They have announced that they are, because they actually had Michael J. Fox try them on. Mm-hmm. And they said that those are going to be available in 2016. So let's hope Nike doesn't make the same kind of blunder that Pepsi did. Well, they do occasionally make um, a limited edition. They, they've made some um, replicas of, of the trainers or, or sneakers um, every now and then. They, they don't uh, have power laces, but they light up. Like yeah, the, well, the no, ones. these have power laces. Oh, right, okay. Because in the video footage with Michael J. Fox, you can actually hear the motor inside them lacing up. So, yeah, that's... Uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that they learn from Pepsi's mistake and not do the same kind of thing. Or else, I mean, Pepsi's wouldn't have been as bad if they did something like, we're only making 6500 let's charge 100 bucks for the real diehard fans. Mm-hmm. But instead, they charge 20 bucks. Okay, granted, 20 bucks for a 16-ounce a, a bottle of Pepsi. That's kind of crazy. But that is still something that just about every fan can afford. Yeah. You know, so... And it's, it's not as though you're buying it as a beverage anyway. You, you, no, you're not. You're using it as a piece of memorabilia. It's like, you're spending 20 bucks for a bottle of soda. It's like, we know we're not buying the soda. You know, we're buying that little piece of childhood that will probably never be available again because there's no real reason to make it available again. And it's just... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say something else now, and uh, all, all I'm going to say is, did you see it? See what? <laughs> see what? <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> and no, I did not suffer through a football game to watch it. Uh, see, we didn't have that problem here. <laughs> I figured it's going to be available online immediately anyway, so you know, why bother? It, it went through the, the UK um, Star Wars streams that it's going to be available to watch from 1.45am <laughs> in the UK. <laughs> And you know what? I'll bet a lot of people stayed up to watch it. Uh, yep. And then went in bleary-eyed to work in the morning. <laughs> uh, it was it was amazing. And then it, it also the new uh, poster that came out That recently. poster looks amazing. Now, did you see on that, the top right-hand corner, is oh, that another Death Star? Kind of, sort of. <laughs> well, I mean, if you... It looks like they appropriated another planet, verted it into a Death Star. It looks like it's a, a, a snowy planet, like a Hoth-like world. And then if you notice later on in the trailer, they also show fighting scenes over the surface of what is most likely that planet, because you can see the trench, but you see mountains and all of that. So it looks like they took a planet and just appropriated it and converted it into a Death Star. Well, at least that means you can't fly down trenches and then try and launch torpedoes down it. Probably. But the other <laughs> side, you know what? The other side of that coin is, look, we've already gone through 
two Death Stars. Doesn't the third one kind of signal that we're repeating ourselves here? <laughs> they don't learn from their mistakes. That's what. <laughs> well, I'm not even talking about in in the story, you know, in that regard. But I'm just mean, you know, J.J. Abrams and so forth. You couldn't come up with something other than a third Death Star. From what you're saying, then, is that um, Star Killer Base is on this snowy planet? So I'm guessing. I'm yeah. guessing. You know, obviously, we could finally end up with the story in December, and that's totally wrong. You know, for all we know, that battle sequence is right in the beginning, and the planet gets destroyed, and the whole thing is about coming up with something else. Who knows? Who knows? And but, there's, there's also the um, the, the little bit. Is, uh, we've been talking about this. My friends and I have been talking about this this afternoon, actually. Uh, about one minute, 44 seconds into it, there's this scene where Ray is crying over what looked like a Wookiee's body. Yes. But <laughs> before people freak out about that... There is also a scene where even if that is Chewbacca and he's really, really wounded, there is a scene later where it, when uh, he and Han have their hands up, mm -hmm. it looks like there is an entire arm bandage around his his right arm. Right. So it could be just a flesh wound. Uh, uh, could be just a flesh wound, eh? <laughs> you know? I'll bite your legs off. <laughs> <laughs> Another anniversary, be. yeah. Um. <laughs> now, just granted, a lot of speculation there. Of course, the really big thing is, where's Luke? He's not in the poster. He's not in the trailer. He kind of is. Just that little clip that they've showed in the previous. Well, yeah, nothing, but nothing you know, new. just him reaching out and putting his hand on R2. But mm -hmm. still, it's like, hmm, he, he's... You know, the fact that he's not in either of those just kind of speaks a lot. Mm. So, I mean, there's rumor. I'm hearing, seeing rumors that seven is setting up for eight, and eight is where we actually see Luke. Ah, uh, maybe. Okay. No, who knows? I, I don't know. But and hopefully still. Lando. <laughs> um. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> that'd be cool. There's the bit with Kylo Ren with all these people behind him. Is it are these the the, the Knights of Ren and yeah. <laughs> all that kind of stuff going on? There's a lot of speculation behind it, and there are yeah. people that have been analysing that with a fine tooth comb. They really have yeah. been analysing it. I mean, there. Are they're already finding some plot holes. I mean, you have Kylo Ren saying, with Darth Vader's melted mask, and it's like, I will finish what you started. Well, anal mode on. Technically, Vader didn't start anything. He was the right-hand man to the Emperor who really started everything. Yeah, but Vader he didn't start anything. I mean, at the end of the day, Kylo Ren sounds like he's some Vader fanboy. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what it seems like. But I still can't wait to see this. And, you know, I already got my tickets. I bought them that night. You know, considering where I live, we've got a lot of theaters, but we don't have a lot of heavy population. So getting tickets was kind of easy. Mm -hmm. you know, people out in California where now tickets are being scalped for like $10,000. Really? Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's so it's been so easy in the UK okay, to get tickets. Not for the opening night, but for the weekend, it's been pretty easy. I'm going to take the whole family, so a night would be just no. <laughs> so I just I just chose Saturday a Saturday matinee. Yeah, because we've got uh, we've got an 11 year old uh, boy going with us, so we didn't want it to be too late. 
Um, so we're going at about uh, ten past seven in the evening. I think the showing we're going to see. So it's not too bad. I, I get the whole thing of being one of the first people to see it, but whatever. We're still going to see it opening weekend, so I don't care. And spoilers don't bother me. You can tell me what the entire story is. I don't care. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to put the 3D glasses on. I'm going to munch on the popcorn, and I'm going to enjoy, even if I know everything that's coming. And I can guarantee you, at some point during the film, there will be tears down my cheek. It will be. Uh, inevitable you uh, won't be alone in that one <laughs> at all and i mean and, i wouldn't be surprised i'm i'm getting myself ready for this one of the things that harrison ford has said consistently throughout the years was that he will only go back to do the movie if he dies in it that's been something that he has said multiple times mm-hmm. so i'm i don't know if it's going to happen the fact that he said he enjoyed doing this again uh is a good sign but I'm I'm not going to be too surprised if something does happen to Han Solo's character in this movie. Did you um, see the the post I put up earlier today, uh, where there's um, stills from the the trailer, um, and it said uh, Han Solo saying it's all true? Yeah. Uh, and then you've got um, Finn and Ray standing there, and and, and Ray said, "Well, even a bit about Greedo shooting first. Yeah, I saw that. And, she, and he <laughs> says, "Get out." <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that one. (laughs) (laughs) Whilst we're on the uh, subject of Star Wars, um, there has been a grave disturbance in the Force. Honorary crew member and much-loved member of the Star Wars community, Alan Fling, has had a run of problems with his health over the last few months and has been in and out of hospital on countless occasions this year. Not only that, but earlier this week, Alan returned home from buying groceries to find that his home was on fire. Uh, The majority of the property has been gutted, and unfortunately, he didn't have any house insurance. Now, news travels really fast in the Star Wars universe, and the community worked quickly to try and help him out. Lifelong Star Wars fan Ross Simons has set up an appeal to raise money for Alan, and I recently asked Ross whether he would like to come on the show and tell us about it. The last 48 hours, I have had emails, messages, phone calls from literally four, four corners of the earth. Also, uh, it seems from Star Wars fans, Star Wars friends, Alan's friends, Star Wars cast. Firstly, saying, you know, well done you know, for what you've done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how can we help? Um, everything from sort of people willing to, you know, wanting to sell parts of collections to raise money for him. Um, other people um, offering to lay carpets uh, and, and to replace parts of, of furniture and, and bedding. Uh, I, I think there's a, a couple of gentlemen that I spoke to from Germany that weren't able to actually make a donation to the fund, the GoFundMe fund that I set up, mm-hmm. um, but wanted to pay via uh, PayPal. And then the 24, I think it was, then allowed them to use their PayPal to then be able to transfer it over. And it, it was, it, honestly, it, it, the just, last 48 right. hours has just been absolutely <laughs> crazy. I, I, I sort of messaged him uh, on the very first evening, when, mm-hmm. when sort of after he posted the initial post saying what had happened. And I've just sort of said, look, I hope you don't mind. I said, I've set up a GoFundMe collection for you. I said, I, I didn't know what to do. I just wanted to do something for you. So I've set it up. And by the time I'd spoken to him, it was already up to about £100 anyway. Um, and he basically just messaged me back saying, Ross, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I am totally overwhelmed. <laughs> uh, he said, in fact, I'm blubbering like a baby <laughs> right now. 
And then by the next morning, um, literally, uh, it was a space of, uh, it wasn't even, I think it was 24 hours. We'd already hit the thousand pound target that I, you know, I wanted to raise for him, which, you know, I thought may have taken a couple of weeks. I, I thought we might get there in the end, but, you know, <laughs> certainly not within 24 hours of the, uh, of the fun sort of going live. Um, and, uh, he sort of, I spoke to him the next day and said, look, I'm, I'm sure you sort of, you've already seen this, but he said, I just don't know what to say. He said, you know, he said, you know, it's almost like sort of thanks to this and thanks to lots of other people that have, have shared the word and set up other collections elsewhere, etc. He said, I'm just totally overwhelmed by it. I said, well, you know, it, it's like I said to him, I said, you know, the, the Star Wars world is, is certainly one big family. You know, it, it doesn't seem to matter now whether you're, you know, you're, you're a young fan, an old fan, you know, a, a costumer, you know, somebody is part of a part of a group, you know, past cast or whatever it, you know, everybody seems to just sort of rub shoulders with each other and you know it, it only sort of takes something like this to just show you know how how big and and uh, you know star wars world is but also i think how well respected alan obviously is in in you know in every country that he's he's sort of you know had uh, had base with alan would do anything for anybody anyway yeah. So yeah. it's only fair that people feel the same way about him. You've, you've only got to read sort of testimonials from people that have had the, the privilege of meeting him and, and people that are part of groups where he's donated uh, and fundraised for, etc. And, and you, you, you know, it's, it's clear to see that he has affected, um, you know, so many people in such a positive way. Um, and it's a shame. And in, in, in a sense, obviously, it takes something so devastating as having a, you know, a, a property fire and, and losing obviously so much of your, you know, your personal belongings, etc. To you know, for someone to actually be able to do that for someone. But you know, it, it's I think the last forty-eight hours is is it, pretty clear to see for everybody. Not only just the the, the, the fund that I set up, but obviously everybody else that's got other collections uh, going as well. Um, you know, I've, I've had people send me photographs saying, "Look, I've got this. You know, I'd like to sell it. What what can I do?" And uh, and I said to a few of them, I said, "Look, I said to be fair, I, I said, you know, don't sell your personal things. You know, Alan wouldn't want you to part with stuff." that is obviously sentimental to yourself. I said, because he's obviously lost things or will have lost things that's sentimental to him. I said, but the fact that so many people are wanting to do things like this, you know, uh, it, I said, it is enough. I said, you know, he, he can see that support's there. Um, and and as, as can everybody. <laughs> you know, you've only, you've only got to read the updates and, and, and you know, the stuff that people are writing. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a been a very very uh, well well win sort of forty eight hours for everyone, I think. So if anybody wants to um, help out and donate to the fund, where where do they need to go? Uh, if they've gone to the uh, if it's GoFundMe, it was set up. I think it's Alan Fling Fire Fund. Uh, I think is the actual GoFundMe page. There's links on it all over Facebook. I think if you, if you um you go onto my personal one, there's a link on there. I think if you go onto Alan Flynn's page, there's certainly links on there. Um, but if you go onto the GoFundMe page um, and then look up Alan Fling uh, Fire Fund, you, you should be able to find it on there. I think uh, current standing after two days is up. We're up to about one thousand, over one thousand three hundred pounds. Pretty which, impressive, you know, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, and I've said, I mean, I've had a lot of people asking how long I'm keeping the fund on there for. Uh, and like I've said to them, I said, there's no hurry to take it down. Basically, funds can be taken from there directly to Alan as and when he needs them. So, you know, I, I will keep the fund going as long as we need. We've, we've had many people sort of say, look, you know, I, I don't get paid yet. <laughs> um, or we've got an event coming up. We'd like to make a donation from that event. You know, will you still have the fund up? And I've said, yeah, absolutely. 
you know, if it's going to help him, then it stays there. Um, and I'm happy to carry on taking messages and, <laughs> and everything else that goes with it because, uh, you know, although I didn't expect it to ever come to anything like this, then, you know, it's, it's the least I can do. Um, you know, because there are so many other people out there that, that want to help out and donate. So I think what we'll do is we'll also include a link on the, the show notes for our show. Um, yeah. so that people can have a look there and if they want to donate then feel free because yeah um, you know alan is part of our community and um yeah um, as soon as i heard there was you know the fund that's been set up i I wanted to um, talk to you about it so that we can include a piece on the show yeah um it's, it's amazing how star wars brings people together isn't it not surprising we are one big family really yeah definitely and and alan has done so much for people i mean he he does attend all these conventions and things and he does get a fee for the conventions but the majority of the money that he he makes he plows back into charities um so yeah like i said in that clip there uh if you want to help alan out check out the link in the show notes When we come back, we'll reveal why this episode is so special. Great Scott! If my calculations are correct, it is now precisely October 21st, 2015. The future has finally arrived. Yes, it is different than we all thought. But don't worry. It just means your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Wow. Now, uh, you might be wondering why you were hearing noises of, uh, of Wookiees. Well, uh, we are at an event... A very special event in uh, Peterborough uh, in the UK uh, called uh, Field of Force Day and uh, I'm not on my own I am with the uh, one and only Bull Hawk Mallows Mr Adri there Hello boss, hello listeners yeah it's going to be a great day today just getting the early feel for the event a great event certainly as well it's going to be today and also I have with me Mr Alan Taylor Shearer Very good afternoon Mark, how are you? Awesome, absolutely awesome. I'm in my element at the moment. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought there'd be a, a nerdgasm going on. <laughs> yeah. This for me is going to be absolutely brilliant. Not only is it Star Wars and science fiction and everything, but the photo opportunities are going to be brilliant today. I've had some excellent ones already. Um, I've just photographed a Wookiee. Yeah, and I've kind of been having a conversation with a Wookiee was the most bizarre thing ever hmm. <laughs> is it a bit one-sided was it or uh, how did you find it well I don't speak Wookiee so it's a bit difficult for me but um, did you not have Google Translate that would have been an interesting one trying to get it to translate and see <laughs> what it came it's not translating it for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's been happening a lot recently hasn't it this has been failing to translate a lot recently and I left my Babel fish at home as well so that's um, oh, no. a bit of a problem what, what, uh, what kind of stormtrooper is that? That would be an arc trooper. Um, arc trooper? Yeah. Uh, arc troopers have these big jetpack things on. And uh, usually have, uh, like, handheld mortar cannons. <laughs> well, that's just an awesome shot. 
Alan is going into full professional mode right now. <laughs> yep. So you will all be able to see what an ARC trooper looks like. Just an awesome helmet. You can see the, the cross bit on the uh, the helmet, it all glows up and everything. It's really, yeah. really cool. I think there's going to be lots of things like that today. There's going to be a lot of neon today. I can, I can, I can see there being a lot of neon and stuff going on. Uh, we've also, outside, we've, we've got some vehicles. There's a... Uh, uh, American Police Interceptor uh, there's also uh, a Back to the Future DeLorean out there and I do believe there's going to be some other vehicles and um, we this is so bizarre just nearly got accosted by Wally <laughs> um, <laughs> once again <laughs> phrase I never thought of <laughs> yeah It's going to be a great day, I think, so I'm sure we'll be coming back with many more exciting things later in the day. Yeah, well, we're just waiting for some of the signers to, to show up. Um, so we'll leave it there for now, and as I say, we'll come back in a little while and uh, see what else we can find. That gives you a kind of a feel of Feel the Force Day, and that was the first few minutes of us being there. <laughs> Although, I mean, I understand that it's it's not just Star Wars, but it still was kind of weird to hear the Superman the movie music in the background. (laughs) It's movie and television, so it's not Mm -hmm. just sci-fi, it's all kinds of genres of of different things, Um, but it was really, really, really good fun. Now, you may have seen posts on our Facebook page and Twitter feed, and and you may have heard me also talking about iCosplay. Well, whilst we were at Field of Force Day, I caught up with iCosplay founder Sarah Parker. So we're back again at uh, Field of Force Day 3, and I'm with Sarah from iCosplay. Now, what is iCosplay? We're an anti-bullying campaign for cosplayers and costumers. I, I gather there's quite a bit of it going on. If Unfortunately, there's more than you would think, yeah. It's, it's a shame, really, because everybody's there for the same reason. Yeah. To have fun. Yeah. And what kind of thing are, are people experiencing? It ranges from a number of things, whether it's a case of you're not the right weight for that costume, you're the wrong skin colour, you're the wrong sex for that costume. So people that want to, say, a woman wants to do a Doctor Who costume or something like that, you know... All kinds of things, from cyberbullying, which pretty much ranges from people taking a photo of someone at a Comic-Con, so the personal pose, thinking someone wants a picture. Mm-hmm. They then get home to find that it's gone on some nasty costume, um, Facebook page or something like that, and it's being ridiculed, something rotten. Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've seen some of the things that have been online, and it's, it's not nice. No, We've, and, we have managed to shut down about three Facebook pages and one Tumblr page so far. That's brilliant. Um, just by the backing of our followers. Because in, in my eyes, bullying in any way, shape or form is, is not on, from someone who experienced it yeah. when I was younger. So um, when I found out about you, I decided I needed to, to come and, and speak to you to find out what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, apart from helping to shut down these really nasty pages that are mm-hmm. out there, what else do you do? Um, we basically we go to all the comic conventions and we support the organisers in making their events a safer, more fun and inviting environment for all, not just the costumers and cosplayers, but everybody. Um, and we're trying to make it so that um, the cosplay community 
is a more fun-filled place and a more inviting place for the people who don't know much about cosplay. Mm-hmm. So we're doing, going to be doing talks, workshops. Um, we're running cosplay competitions now at some of the smaller Comic Cons. Oh, wow. Where it's not about what you're wearing, but about taking part and having fun. Yeah. Everybody who gets involved in cosplay, it, they take all that time and effort to yeah. make these costumes. Yeah. And... You know, you, you, this has got to be celebrated that, that yeah. what they've actually achieved mm. with these things. This is it. It doesn't matter whether the costume's been spent hours and hours and year, weeks and weeks making it or whether it's been out, you've been out and bought it in the shop. It's mm-hmm. still a costume. Yeah. You know, and the way we see it is someone's gone to the effort of putting that costume on and being brave enough to go out in public in it. You know, and that takes a lot of guts just to do that. Oh, no yes. matter what age you are. So to, to, to go you know? on a, to get on a bus or yeah. a train in full costume. Yeah, takes a lot of guts. Oh yes, yeah. You know, um, so respect for everybody that does it. And um, I mean, we, me and my husband, and pretty much well, all of our team that cost, that run the cos, I cosplay. We all costume. Most of us do it for the charity side of it, and we, my, me and my husband, myself, are both five of us Legion members. Um, so we both do, do a lot of charity work with the Star Wars side of things. Which is where I heard about you, actually, because I was in touch with uh, my, uh, Alan Fling, mm-hmm. and uh, he was talking about... He's a very guys. big supporter. He's, he's actually one of our ambassadors, a lovely yes. man, a yeah. lovely man. And um, he kind of said to me, you need to speak to these guys. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you today. Yeah. Um, the other thing we've done on the podcast, on our main page, um, we've, uh, at the bottom of there we've got uh, a, a link to your website. Oh, right, yeah. Because um, we've decided to have you as our um, official charity. Oh, fantastic. Because of the fact that I feel strongly about people yeah. being bullied in any That's way, shape or form. Yeah. So, well, we've actually had a, a breakthrough this week. We've actually been working uh, in talks with Kidscape Anti-Bullying, the biggest charity, anti-bullying yes, charity yes. in the UK, who are now happy to be backing us and working with us for the next few years to help us gain, eventually gain charity status. That's eventually. a massive yeah. step forward. So, yeah, so, yeah we, we, we took a big step this week. That's so brilliant. So it may be another year or two down the line before we actually get that charity status because unfortunately being such a specific anti-bullying campaign mm-hmm. we're quite unique and even to Kidscape's um, standards we're still very unique even to them Yeah. and even they have said you know they've got big respect for the set, fact that we have set up something that's so unique and specific mm-hmm. for um, you know an anti-bullying campaign so they're more than happy to be stepping up and helping us that's great um, so yeah this is a big step up for us now so yeah we're here and we're here to stay brilliant <laughs> now we have uh, what we call an honorary crew members page oh right okay and we'd like to include uh, iCosplay in our honorary crew members oh, right. page uh, what we do with that is we have a mission patch mm-hmm. that um, I'd like to present you with one of our mission patches um, then if, if you wouldn't mind sir um, taking a photograph again once I get the patch out so that we can put you on our yeah that'd be fantastic crew member, uh, wall yeah that'd be great thank you okay
it, it's really a shame that um, people have to ridicule other people just because they don't think that they look right in a costume. And and this is something that is rather near and dear to me because I go to PAX East every year. And there are some cosplay people up there that are just amazing. They put hundreds of hours into their costume simply because they love the game. They love the character in the game. I mean, even even my daughter has told... she's She and I are big Assassin's Creed fans, and she's even said that she would love to get an Ezio Auditore costume, for those who know the game and, and know who he is. And I would have no problems going as uh, an assassin to one of the Paxes either. Is it's fun. It's just why not? You know, it's okay to do this kind of stuff on Halloween, but it's not okay to do it for a convention. Is it what really? You know, what what kind of logic is that? And there are some people where they even do it more as an acting role, where they they portray that character. Mm-hmm. You know, they they know the history of that character, and you can approach them and talk to them as though they are in character. And, and to me, that's kind of cool because that shows that they are not just simply putting on a costume. And, and then you've got the other side of it, which we noticed a lot in Field of Force Day, where you've got kids and, and young adults that have different parts of the spectrum of autism. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of escape for them. So once they're in the costume, they are that person. And it means they've got more self-confidence because they can be that person for the day. There's a lot of that. I work a lot with my old high school's drama club, and it's amazing how many times you'll, you'll, you know, or rather I'll meet kids because, you know, I work with backstage, I work with them, I take pictures of them, we, we have fun and all that. And it's amazing how many of them are actually kind of shy and reserved, and they just kind of stay in the corner... But then as soon as they get out on that stage, boom, and their voices are booming and they're putting everything they can into this character. And then they go backstage and then they're quiet and they're back in their corner again. So I mean, for a lot of people, that's that's their escape. And, you know, why make fun of that just because you don't get it? Well, you know, maybe I don't like your music. You don't see me making fun of it. You know, or maybe I don't like the the way you have your hair styled. You don't see me making fun of it. And and the other thing is, in the cosplay movement, you you do have these elite cosplayers, and these some of these are the ones that are causing the problems because they look down on other cosplayers because they have they you know my costume looks a thousand times better than yours because I've spent all this money on it. So what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's someone who just doesn't get it. They're, they're there for bragging rights, and that's all. And it's like, no, that that's not what it's about. It's literally you were there to have fun uh-huh. and to mix with like-minded people. Even if you, you go there in costume, and even if one person asks to take your photograph and smiles and says thank you, you just made that person happy for a small sacrifice of a few seconds of your day. Exactly. The amount of people that I took, well, we took photos of. Between the three of us, we took over 300 photographs. Wow. I'll do that at PAX, just by myself. <laughs> you know, some of these people are, they're not models. They're not professional lookalikes, if you like. Um, they are just regular people dressing up for an event. And they look good. And they really appreciate it when you ask for a photograph, like you yeah. just said. And that's how it should be. Haters gonna hate. That's what it comes down to. Oh, yeah. Uh, the words of Taylor Swift. Ha! <laughs> <laughs>
A few months ago, I discovered an awesome concept for comic book superheroes called the Department of Ability. Now, here's the creator of the comic, whose name is Dan White, to tell us what makes Department of Ability so unique. Um, I'm joined by a, uh, a guy called Dan, who actually, uh, he's a comic book artist, but he draws and writes comics that are a little bit different, aren't they? Yes, uh, uh, they've got a different twist to them. Yeah, uh, what it is, I'm halfway through the first comic book at the minute, which is being produced in conjunction with the Strongbones charity, which is the best charity on the earth. They've given up a big chunk of their finance to promote and produce this comic, which is about five superheroes who are all disabled and use their disabilities as their superpowers but the whole premise of the comic is to make it totally accessible for able-bodied kids to enjoy thereby bringing communities together and just giving more inclusion and diversity not only in a comic book form but we're hoping towards television as well because these amazing brilliant people that you see here today all deserve a chunk of this a bite of this media apple that they absolutely absolutely love I, I thought that um, coming to speak to you today because basically you're pretty much what Feel the Force Day is all about. It's, you know, uh, able-bodied people and disabled people all joining together for, for one big cause, which is, you know, the, the, the movie, the, movie the, film, uh, the TV industry, comic books and everything else that goes along with it. Exactly. It's a, it's a common interest. That's why I thought if I was going to go about this... The, the way to, to do it would be through the medium of comic books and superheroes because that's what all kids feed and us grown-ups obviously me and you I can tell and us semi-adults I may say feed off but I thought if I can do this through the medium of a comic book then it would just relate to so many things like like I said able-bodied kids and disabled kids can latch on to it and have some common ground to talk about through something they love and I think it's very important um, because I don't call them disabled people anyway yeah, I yeah. call them differently able yeah exactly and um, everybody wants to be treated the same and having a, an outlet like this would bring that to bring people together and I think that it's, it's going to be a very positive move thank you yeah, I mean that's, that's, all, that's all I want to do like I was explaining earlier I've actually given up my full time employment to concentrate solely on this comic because I believe the principles behind it I mean at the end of the day it doesn't have to be my project any project like it that can do that job of, of building that bridge of just of just chat between just two two sections of society just bring them together over something they love and then you would start a presence you start the ball rolling for television to wake up to the idea that that, that disabled kids and able-bodied kids are all the same they don't have to be frightened of anything all these people deserve inclusion that's what it's all about that's diversity right. and inclusion i mean look at it today it's just absolutely incredible what's going on here today people are missing out because they're not here yeah. believe me you're missing out because you're not here because it's just absolutely brilliant and what was your um, your inspiration really to, to to start drawing the comic? It was the uh, when Emily came of an age. That's my daughter Emily. She's got spider bifter and uses a wheelchair. She came of an age that she was looking for something relevant to see on television, and we could only find a few relevant characters, but none of any great depth or anything like that. And I decided there and then to invent my own and hopefully push the whole concept along that not only give her something to relate to but all the other kids as well because the only well apart from uh, in uh, the X-Men obviously you've got disabled and you've also got uh, Daredevil got Daredevil yeah blind and that's probably I can't think of anybody else no I can't think of anybody else either no no but they are two, don't get me wrong they are two great characters but I think Professor Xavier is, is woefully underused as a character anyway woefully underused 
Daredevil, I really like Daredevil as well, but like I said, he's the only real one with any depth of character, I feel, and there's, there's a need for more. Like I said, with, with disability inclusion, I've been saying to people that, that there's, if you're going to do it, there's, there's nothing to lose, but there's everything to gain. Like I say, you, you, people have been saying to me, you're talking about a minority. Well, I'm saying, well, there's 12 million of these people in the UK. That's the biggest minority I've ever heard. You have a ready audience waiting there. Oh, definitely. Absolute, a massive audience waiting there. Not just, to, I mean, they could go through, my, hopefully if it comes to a cartoon like mine or someone else's, but you've got a ready-made audience that could spill over into other areas of society. Absolutely. Yeah. And, the, and the one thing I was just going through my head right now is, you know, once you've established yourself... And you come to an event like this, and there's some kids dressed as your oh, characters. That would be the dream come true. It, <laughs> it would be the dream come true for, for someone just to come in dressed as Pawsey the Cheater with a runny limb, or, or someone to have their wheel with. Emily wants her wheelchair done up like she is in a comic book, but I've, I've got to speak to RGK and say, Can you do it for free, please? <laughs> but that would be so sweet to be at a comic con and just have. I mean, it's, it's already happened. Emily's been asked for an autograph, which is the most surreal thing. Wow. And we've had lovely people who've been following us on Twitter coming in today and, and just... And I'm putting faces to names, which is what it's all about. I mean, it's just been brilliant. People coming on and offering to help. We've got followers on Twitter like Tanny Gray-Thompson, Hannah Cockcroft, Warwick Davis, people in Scope and Mencap, big charities all supporting what we're doing. So I must be doing something right, I think. And I, I just love the event because... Um for me, I, I just met uh, Naomi uh, Richards in the, in the yes. hall, and yeah. um, just an inspiration for us yeah. all, really. Uh, yeah, they're just uh, wonderful, amazing people, and I think if you're not here, you've missed out. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Remember, feel the force day. It's coming on again. There's one in Plymouth next year, so it's just, this will come. That's Let's it. support it for you. Now, um, how would people go about uh, accessing your comic? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they can go to our website www.departmentofability.com. We're also on Facebook, Department of Ability, and Twitter uh, at Department of Ability. Well, I post teasers of the comic that's coming up, and also images and just interviews that I've been doing. Anything just to promote it, I put on there little teasers of flying wheelchair action or just stuff. But the comic book is going to be global we've got a want from all four corners of the world now and in the book all i can say is at the end london is going to be trashed unfortunately <laughs> london is going to take a pound in as these heroes try and save the day <laughs> brilliant now one thing we like to do on tgp and, and you're very deserving of, of, of what we do here we have uh, an honorary crew members for on what? our website what and, really uh uh, people that we talk to and uh, uh, and causes that we think right. deserve um, the promotion that they they need to get. Oh, thank you. Uh, we make them honorary crew members. Oh, and, that's um, Thank you. We issue you with our um, honorary crew members' patches. Oh, that's so, awesome. Uh, Oh if my word! Well, um, get a oh. photograph of you with it. Oh yes, please. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, that is so sweet. So that we can uh, get you on there. That is awesome. Thank you. No worries. Oh yeah. Oh, that's. Oh, thank so you very much, guys. The, the photograph will, will appear on our uh, honorary crew members' wall. Uh, you'll be up there with Chris Barry. Oh, what? Um. I'm, I'm going to have to sit down and take a large non-alcoholic drink. Here. <laughs> 
so uh, thanks again for talking with us. No, just thank you for coming to seek me out today. I'm just thank you for all. I thank everybody today for all their support. It's been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much because without you, we'd be nothing, nothing at all. Brilliant. Thank you. They've had a lot of media attention lately, and I think Dan was telling me that they're going to make a documentary about the comic. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I think it's a really good idea because, well, there isn't any comic book characters really that disabled kids can embrace. Just like uh, a lot of the other comics have started to go to uh, female protagonists. Yeah. The market's out there. Like Spider Gwen. So why not? <laughs> it is definitely something that um, the vein needs tapping. And I think Dan has got a real good niche market. And I, I wish him the best with that. I really do. Dan uh, actually gave us some um, posters of some of the characters in the comics, which was really cool. And um, we've been in contact a few times afterwards. And uh, yeah, lovely, lovely guy. The next person we spoke to plays a man of few words in a fairly well-known science fiction movie. And he's my favourite Mandalorian. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think you know who um, I'm talking about. Uh, maybe. So here we are again, back at Field of Force Day 3, and I'm with an absolute legend in the, in the Star Wars community. I'm with Jeremy Bullock. How are you doing, sir? Well, I'm doing very well. I, I wouldn't call myself a legend, not yet, but it's nice to have respect in front of all the stormtroopers and all the other characters. When Boba Fett appears, that's it. But a ni- nice event today, having a ball. So it must be quite a proud moment for you when you do see the Boba Fett characters actually floating around. Well, when you see so many have made their own costumes, I mean, they're very well made and they take so much care over them. That, that is when the true lovers of Boba Fett. So how was it for you knowing that I mean because Boba Fett wasn't the biggest of characters in, in the movies but he's, had, he's got such a, a cult following how, how does that feel? I, it, it just made me made me laugh and made me cry at the same time um, it is still the smallest part I've ever played in over 50 years acting but it's just incredible it's just dipsy. you're a legend Mr Bullock wonderful to see you here and how do, you, how do you keep this going? And I said, well, I know it's you that keeps it going, not me. It's, it's all the, the Star Wars people. I love Boba Fett, um, which is lucky. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in an event like this. Uh, that's, that's true. And, I mean, how is it for you when... I mean, I know there was a couple of scenes that got cut from the original A New Hope but got put back in uh, for the special editions. Yeah, there was, uh, it's a special bit. You see a, a Boba Fett, different shape. And I always remember saying slightly bigger than me. But they did that, and that sort of put him in the limelight again, which is, which is fun. And lots of books, comics, photos. Otherwise, I think Boba Fett would appear did everything he did but not necessarily you would remember him if there weren't all the comics and books everything you know and that's what does the publicity keeps the whole thing going and um, because of the character uh, uh, like that I mean you must it must take you all over the world mustn't it well it is I mean a lot of people say could you come out here to Australia could you come to Venezuela and I said well, I'd love to, I would love to but I can't too far away and I have this job but we will at some stage get to back to South America Colombia so 
we've been invited and I said I'd go and then but it's virtually around the world which is extraordinary so the question next I'm going to ask you is in your eyes did Boba Fett survive the silent pit he, I, I heard whether this is true or not but I think Boba Fett escapes the silent he gets out awesome um, so um, it's an absolute pleasure to talk with you. And you haven't seen me on stage already. Because, uh, in my eyes, because Boba Fett is one of my favourite characters, uh, we're going to make you an honorary member of our uh, podcast. Well, it's very kind. And um, what we do for honorary members is that we issue them with a uh, member's patch. Um, and if, if you wouldn't mind, we could take a photograph of you with the patch. Just bear with me, sir. I think the patch has been lost. We'll get back to you as soon as possible. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, was a little bit starstruck at that point because, yeah, to me, he is a legend because he has got a cult following. <laughs> well, absolutely. Although, I guess, really, Boba Fett has a cult following, but you know, the thing with him escaping from the Sarlacc, though, that was part of the expanded universe that Disney has gotten rid of. Mm-hmm. So Boba Fett's future is—it's uh, now up to be rewritten. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, the old storyline was that Dengar got him out. Um, but yeah, it's—it was amazing to talk with him, and um, yeah, he signed my um, issue one of the new Marvel comic because I've got a, a variant cover with Boba Fett and Darth Vader on there. So he signed it next to Boba Fett and there's a nice little gap at the top next to Darth Vader so hopefully when I get to meet Dave Prowse <laughs> nice <laughs> I'll have a complete set but I had to hurry that a bit the uh, interview because there was stuff happening on the stage as you could hear the, the uh, public uh, that, address you know, that's okay it, it, it just goes with what I said about the cosplayers even if they're willing to give you just 30 seconds of their time mm-hmm. if that makes your day then it was just completely worth it. The next actor we spoke to has been in everything from Ace Ventura to Bridget Jones and is currently on primetime TV in the UK. Right, I'm back at uh, Field of Force Day 3 and I'm with um, a very famous actor uh, called Ian McNeese. Um, you might know him from uh, television programmes like Doc Martin. Um, you've also been in things like Doctor Who, haven't you? Yes, I have. I played uh, Winston Churchill in about four episodes of Doctor Who, yeah. And that was with Matt Smith, wasn't it? That was the Doctor, yes. He'd only been doing it about two or three uh, episodes, and I came in uh, uh, with him and Karen Gillan, and uh, that was delightful. And since then, I've done uh, several other uh, sort of bits and pieces to do with Doctor Who. I've just finished four episodes for Big Finish Productions, uh, which are the audiobooks specifically for me that they, they they wrote for Winston Churchill books uh, which I narrate and uh, bring in Christopher Eccleston uh, David Tennant Matt Smith into these episodes and I play them you know as Winston Churchill so that's quite interesting they'll be out in January a box set which is nice that's uh, they, they have become really popular the uh, the audiobooks haven't they yeah they really have no no and they've taken off and I'm surprised how well they're doing which is terrific and uh, 
I'm going to launch them in January. I think we're going to a special special launch for that in uh, in Windsor. I think oh, one, right. one Sunday in January. So um, obviously, at the moment, you're on you're on TV in uh, Doc Martin. Yeah, Monday nights, nine o'clock. IDB, don't miss it. <laughs> Don't miss it, it's a great show, all doing well. Uh, it looks like you really have a good time um, uh, filming those. Uh, oh yeah, programs. I mean, well, we're now into our seventh series, which is like phenomenal for a, an English uh, TV show to last that long, which is great. And uh, we film it in a beautiful part of the country, Port Isaac, or Port Wen, as is known in the show. It's a beautiful little smuggler's village. We're there for four months of the year, April, May, June, July. Oh wow, so you've got uh, some good weather then. Oh, no, the weather's pretty crap, I have to say. <laughs> English summers are not great. There's a lot of rain incurred in that as well as sun. Was that a part that was made, made for yourself, or did you have to uh, cast for it? Originally, I had to, to audition for the part. No, I met um, Ben Bow, the director, and Philip Braithway, the producer, who's married to Martin Kuntz. I had to go and read for the part, and I... Uh, I turned up and I hadn't learned the part. I, it was about two or three episodes. Uh, no, it was only about two or three speeches. And then they told me, oh, would I read from some of the other episodes? And I said, what? I thought it was a one-off. You're telling me it's a, a series? And I rang my agent and said, look, for goodness sake, what do you tell me it was a series? I'd have learned the thing if it was... <laughs> I known it was going to be more than one episode. And uh, they were terrific. They gave me the role that night, which was great. I didn't even have to wait for it. They gave it to me... That very evening on the phone they rang up and said yes please and I didn't realize then how uh, extraordinary it would become and it's now worldwide it's like we're in the village every day making the show we have people from Australia New Zealand Japan Iceland you name it all over Europe it's from South Africa they all come to that village to see where it's made it's so popular and it's just doing uh, in, in uh, in November, this November coming, I'm going to Atlanta to do the publicity for PBS to put it out on the show in America. So, why do you think your, your character is um, so popular? Because he's a, he's a bit of a lovable rogue, isn't he? I think you hit it on the head. Yes, he's a total lovable rogue. And as all lovable rogues, like Minder and people like that, they are very addictive and it's very... Uh, very uh, you know, because he sets out with all these good intentions and it always goes it always goes wrong, doesn't it? And I think people like that. I think they like like watching people go down 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 the drain. But he's funny too. There's a certain, you know, quip to him as well. So I, I think that's nice. And he's got a great son too, that good looking boy Joe Absalom. He is um, yeah. <laughs> so he's a good sidekick. And um, it, it does uh, bail him out quite a lot, doesn't he? Absolutely, they all bail him out down there. <laughs> I have to say, no, no, he's always running into... And it's still going on, he's still getting into trouble. I mean, you can't... He's now lost a restaurant, he's now lost his home, he's lost his little van, he's now got a camper van, he's living rough, uh, it's all not looking good. It's not looking good for Bert. I kind of like his latest venture with the whiskey, though. Right? Yes, no, that's, uh, that could that could come to something. You're going to have to wait and see. Tune in, 9 o'clock, Monday nights. You have to tune in. Will do. See will what do. happens to Bert. See, see if he gets on, all right? Oh, brilliant. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you, Ian. All right, it's a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. He gets mistaken quite a lot for Simon uh, Fisher-Becker, uh, who we met at the Wickham Comic-Con. The two of them get mistaken for each other quite a lot, because <laughs> they are very similar looking. Must admit, I never really got into Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs>
I know I just lost whatever little cred I had with some people, but... <laughs> it is an acquired taste, Doctor Who. And I, I think uh, it depends on the, on your generation as well. I mean, I'm, I'm so used to Doctor Who with really shoddy um, special effects and um, <laughs> <laughs> being able to see people's feet underneath the Daleks as they're moving yeah. around and that kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, on the other hand, my 15-year-old daughter loves it. I just never got into it. I it's not like I would turn it off if I saw that it was on, but it's not like I'd be like, oh my God, Doctor Who is on. Ah! Oh, well. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm a little bit behind with it myself, so I've got to, I've got to do some catching up. It's just that um, there, it's um, too many things to watch <laughs> on TV. Yeah, well, it? yeah, that's also part of it. <laughs> But I love how he made sure to plug the show that he's in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Monday night. Natural ITV, salesman. Nine o'clock, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, great. Absolutely fantastic. Next up is the lovely Amy McLean, who was at Field of Force Day to promote her latest novel, Celestial Land and Sea. With me on the line, I have Amy McLean, who is an author, and uh, she's here to talk to us um, about her new book, now, the reason why we're talking on Skype today is that uh, we met at the Field of Force Day 3, but, well, we, we timed it badly, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> and um, on the playback of the, of the interview that uh, we conducted on the day, it's... Well, I, you can barely hear myself and, and Amy on there. So um, I asked her if she would like to come on Skype and, and talk with us uh, about her book and her career. And... Um, she gladly accepted which i'm i'm very pleased about um amy what's the book all about well it's called celestial land and sea and the best way i can describe it is a spiritual fantasy okay. and it's about a 16th century female irish pirate called granny o'malley it is based on truth she was a real pirate and how her timeline in the 16th century is intertwined with the timeline of grace Byrne, who lives in london in the 21st century so we have the fantasy element there um, connecting the two lives. Um, but there's also a spiritual element as well as about how the past kind of shapes are present today. So it's in a way kind of like time travel. Yes. Uh, there is a door in one of the early chapters through which Grace Byrne enters and finds herself in 16th century Ireland. So there is quite a strong element of traveling back into the past physically uh, as well as, as mentally. So it's been a kind of a... A time-travelling journey for yourself as well, because you say that the, the character is actually based on a real person. Yes, uh, that, that was not the easiest task, because Granny O'Malley is not the most researched character out there in terms of there's not many books about her. There's one leading scholar, Anne Chambers, who is fantastic and has done so much research into Granny's life that it made it a little bit easier. And I do a lot of the research that I found to Anne Chambers. But because it is mainly all about Grania's encounter with Queen Elizabeth I, which again actually happened, which is really exciting stuff, I got to do a lot of research into the monarchy as well, which is something I really love. And seeing the parallels between 16th century London and 16th century Ireland was something that was really quite interesting. So history is, is something that you really enjoy then? Yeah, I think... There's a lot that can be learned from history, but I also think history 
in many ways has a massive element of escapism. Taking us back to something that actually existed makes it a little bit easier to believe what's happening. Yeah, I, I get that in a way because sometimes when you're, for example, traveling on a train and you, you see miles and miles of fields and you kind of think to yourself, you know, I wonder what this would have been like back in, for example, medieval times. And you just picture the gentry or whatever on the horseback um, in their armor and and whatnot. <laughs> bloodshed everywhere yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, i think it would be wonderful to be able to have a pair of glasses or something that you could put on and just see the space in front of you transformed into different time periods yeah i think you've just come up with a plot for another book <laughs> well somebody can make them and put them on dragon's den that'd be great <laughs> would be good wouldn't it? past glasses yeah <laughs> So um, what uh, inspired you to get into writing? I think it's just a love of escapism. I mean, I wrote fiction, and I, and I used the word likely there, when I was a child, constantly. And then in my teenage years, uh, I kind of stopped. And it wasn't until my second year of university. I studied English literature at the University of Sunderland. And I think it was in the second year that I just kind of woke up one morning and thought, I want to write a novel. I mean, it wasn't an easy process to begin with. Uh, I suppose it's never going to be an easy process. But it's just something that I suddenly decided that I had to start doing again. And now that I do it, I realise just how much I needed that as an outlet. So uh, how many novels have you written now? Two and a half. And I say a half because I finished the third one, but it's currently with my publisher. And there will be some exciting announcements about that actually within the next few weeks. Wow. What was your previous work? The first novel was called Walk On, and that was spiritual again, but that one was more about guardian angels and how they can infiltrate our thoughts to help us and make us stronger and make us overcome difficult situations that we face on Earth. Different people have different ideas of what guardian angel is, because a guardian angel doesn't necessarily have to be an angel as you would see them in, like in the Bible. I mean, a guardian angel is is, ba is basically that someone who looks out for you. Yes, uh, exactly. I mean, this one took the literal concept of the guardian angel with the wings and the halo. Yeah. Uh, but I think, in fact, in celestial land and sea, we can. Without giving too much away, we can look at the character of Granio O'Malley as that guardian angel in the sense that her past life is guiding Grace Burns' life forward. Um, so I do think it's something that should be stressed that guardian angels, uh, with a lowercase g and a lowercase a, <laughs> um, something that should be explored and stressed a little bit more often. Yeah, I think you're right there. So the information that you were on about there, there's going to be some news in the in uh, next few weeks. Where would people find that news? Uh, the two main sources would be my own social media feeds and also my publisher's website. My publisher is Open Book and that website is open-bks.com and my own website is mclaneamy.blogspot.com and on there there are a load of random social media links and things that kind of branch out into Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and things. Field of Force Day for you, is, is that your first? Yes, that was my first convention. And and how was that for you? I'd visited other conventions as a, a visitor before, but when you're actually on the other side of it and you get to spend time actually observing everyone and people come up to you and talk to you and ask you questions and things, it, it's such a wonderful experience because everybody's obviously there to have a good time. 
everybody's smiling, everybody is just in awe of the whole experience and it's, it's just so wonderful. And I think the reason it has such a positive energy is because it's for a good cause. Without naming names, there are certain bigger uh, brands of conventions, I guess, which have extremely high entrance fees, high autograph fees, and it's almost like a money machine. And yes, they're fantastic to attend, but with still the fourth day, you know that the event isn't happening just to generate money. It is not a cash cow. It is actually there for a good cause. And I think that atmosphere kind of soaks that all up. Yeah, it's, it certainly does. And, and just to see the faces on some of these kids when they experience some of their icons and, and um, things from stuff they've seen on the big screen or the small screen, it, it's magical. It really is magical. Oh, definitely, and not 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 just the kids either. I mean, you, my face a lot of the time when they <laughs> brought out the animatronic Wally and things. It's, it's just it's it's something you don't get to experience on a day to day basis. One of my um, things I will never forget from the day is um, the gentleman that that inspired the whole day um, is is a, a friend of uh, JJ's, uh, the organizer. His friend called Jimmy, and now Jimmy is. Um, deaf and blind and um, JJ and, and everyone else communicates with him through touch sign yeah. and when you see the two of them interacting together it's wonderful it's wonderful to see um, and right now we'll say to everybody out there if you get a chance to go to a Field of Force event go because it will change your mindset for life. I completely agree. I don't think there's anything else like it. And I'm I'm glad that it's been brought to my attention now. Are you thinking of taking part again next year? Yeah, if I get invited, I will be the first one to say yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Because, well, you'll have the the new book to promote by then. (laughs) Yes, yes, I will. Because the, the style of the, the books that you write, it, it, it's an ideal opportunity for you to be there because, well, it covers, Field of Force just covers so many different aspects of, uh, I don't know what you could call it really, because, you know, it, it covers sci-fi and fantasy and comic books and pretty much everything, <laughs> culture, popular culture. Yeah, it is. It's just the ultimate escape, no matter what fandom you're part of or what part of this film and media culture that you are drawn to, there is something there for you. So you've got the um, the new book coming out soon. Have, have you got anything else on the cards? Are you, are you planning on writing again soon? <laughs> I never stop. It's an addiction. Uh, I'm actually currently in on the first draft of what will be my fourth novel, which becomes a bit of a minefield when I've not actually announced the release of my third novel yet. So there's a lot <laughs> to kind of keep up with. And I'm giving a talk about Lord Byron. It's at the Sunderland Library and Arts Centre on the 26th of November, if I've got that right. So where can people get hold of uh, the new book? Amazon and my publisher's website are the main places in the UK. And my publisher's website, again, is open-bks.com. Uh, I believe it's available uh, for Kobo. It's available uh Barnes & Noble in the States. And it's also on the Walter Stone's website, which I recently found out. Brilliant. They're Brilliant. probably the best sources to go to. So what we'll do is we'll put a, a couple of links uh, on our show notes so that uh, listeners can um, have a look and, and find out more about you and, and your books. Brilliant.
Well, Amy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully this one will work this time. Oh, it sounds it sounds really good. Good. And um yeah, I hope to speak to you again soon. Um and no doubt it'll be great to get you on the show again uh, to promote the the new book whenever yeah. it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Thank you. It was really, really unfortunate what happened on the actual day. It happens, but at least you got to talk to her afterward. What happened was, where Amy was sat, where her stand was, it was right in front of the stage, near enough. And uh, I got about 30 seconds into the, into the interview, and there was music blasting out and all kinds of things going on we just couldn't hear each other and I, I basically said to her I don't know how long this is going to go on for so um, when I get back to the studio um, I'll listen through it and see if it can be salvaged but if not would you be prepared to um, come back on the show and, and uh, promote the book and she said yeah sure so uh, that was really nice into the potosphere with TGP Nominal. This is Arnold J. Rimmer from Red Dwarf. You're listening to TGP Nominal. Listen to it. Now, apart from earlier when I mentioned I was talking with a Wookiee, the next interview was the most surreal moment of the day for me. Have a listen to this. I'm back at uh, Field of Force Day uh, 3 and... Um, been rather intimidated at the moment. I sense a disturbance in the force. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. That's what I ate earlier. Um, now, the egg sandwich from the canteen. It would be the one, yeah. Um, now, I'm with uh, well, Lord Vader here, well, and uh, you know, what's, what's, what's the name under the under the mask? Lord Vader. Fair enough. Um, and you guys are from <laughs> from the, the Sentinel. Squad UK, UK yeah. uh, which is a costuming group, a Star Wars mm-hmm. costuming group. Non-profit. And you do stuff for charity yep. and... Uh, There's money for two, predominantly children's shows, and um, we do help out for help areas as well. Um, but yeah, predominantly children's shows. This year we've got Heal and Turn, Cerebral Falls and Charles Day. Um, so yeah, should be good. And uh, what, what other... Um, Apart from Field of Force Day, what other events have you been doing? Oh, we do quite a few Comic Cons. We've done Digicon, um, we're doing Fantastic On, we do Bolton Comic Con, we've done Mersey Comic Con, up and down the country, enjoying ourselves with the young ones, bringing the young siflings to the dark side. That's always good. And um, the reason why I'm talking with you is um, I've been talking with uh, uh, Dan from the uh, Joker Squad, and uh, he's talking about the, the different costuming groups um, to, to work. You guys tend to kind of work in harmony with Yes, them. that's right, yeah. We like, we like to work in harmony with other groups because we're all here to do the same thing at the end of the day. We're all here to support charities. Um, especially children's charities, which we absolutely love, so we like to work in harmony with the other groups. There's no reason why we shouldn't all work together. That's the, that's the, what this kind of event is all about. Yeah, definitely. And the, the problem is there are other uh, groups out there that see other groups as rivals. And, um, yes. That's what uh, groups like your, your good selves are, are trying to put an end to. Yes, definitely. Definitely. We, we, like, like I said, we're all here to do the same thing. We're all here to raise money for charity. We should all be able to do it cooperatively. We've had three, ver- three different verders here today. Uh, we've all taken it in turns. We've worked out a timeshare between us all. So we've all had enjoyed all day. 
at firm enough costumes and we're going to be voted on. Awesome. Now, uh, what's next for you guys? Um, we have the Winter Gardens in Sheffield. Right. Um, which could be good, but I'm, I will also be attending Hull Horror Fest next weekend. All right. Horror Fest. Oh, yeah, I get that. Not as Vader. <laughs> Not as Vader. Not as Vader. I've been talking to Mr. Hammer from Batman Arkham City. Oh, right. Um, okay. My daughter's going to be Harley Quinn, so I shall be joining her. I imagine you'd make a brilliant costume. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing what you look like, of course. But <laughs> more like, between you and me, more like a, a Wookiee inside here. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't think I've ever seen a Wookiee Sith before. Wait until I do It's been fantastic talking with you. Awesome. Thank fantastic you. to have your support. It's been a brilliant day. Hope it carries on for many years to come. It will. Thank you very much. Thank Bye. you very much. Oh, change hands. Awesome. Hello. I mean, was that simply through a mask, or was he actually going through some kind of digital voice processing he was through a voice processor yeah. okay <laughs> the thing was um because uh, he, he mentioned there that there was three different vaders they sort of like scheduled through the day who was going to do what hours and 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 things once you're in costume you can't take the helmet off right <laughs> so that caused a bit of a problem yeah you know it was quite fun though because um, he, he kept saying things like are you prepared to join the dark side and I was like do you have cookies <laughs> oh, yeah I was going to say that has to be the requirement <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have a Darth Vader outfit I would absolutely love it but Darth Vader outfits of any decent quality that don't just scream costume mm-hmm. easily run like 2500 bucks. yeah these, these guys have spent some serious money on their costumes yeah. Yeah, even decent stormtrooper outfits are still 15 somewhere around there it's like that's a lot of money i know someone who's selling a biker scout one actually as i said there there are different um, garrisons as you were that 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 was the sentinel squad you've got the joker squad obviously the, the most famous one of all is the the 501st um who are world famous and then there's there's lots of other ones there's, there's doctor who ones as well there's the 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 15th cyber legion of um cybermen <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, very intimidating when you see a lot of Cybermen walking towards you. I don't know. I would think that if it's an angel, that might be even more terrifying. Oh, I'm telling you now. We <laughs> we uh, we there was a Doctor Who room where they had a full size. Uh, TARDIS and everything in there and I said to the other guys if there's a weeping angel in there you will see me going through the wall <laughs> luckily there wasn't one there strangely though Ow. there was a Tweaky as in Buck Rogers Tweaky yeah are you serious in the Doctor Who room that's weird <laughs> Kind of out of place, but I guess no other real place to put him. Yeah. <laughs> it got quite a lot of attention, actually. I mean, how many people even recognized it? Uh, only people of a certain age. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, the kids that's were cool. like, what, What's that? And there was uh, people like me going, Biddy, 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 what's up, bud? <laughs> you know, it's... Um, <laughs> Okay. Good old Mel Blanc. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that was surreal, talking to Darth Vader. It really was. And to, to find out that he's going to be playing another character, Mr. Hammer, from um, from one of the uh, Batman Arkham Asylum things, with his daughter playing um, Harley Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, there was quite a few Harley Quinns there actually on the on the day. Not surprised. <laughs> They had the Gotham cosplayers, so they. they it was the, the bizarre thing for me. I, I took a photograph of. It was really great. There was this young girl. Uh, well, I say young girl. She was a teenager, um, and she was in a wheelchair with her dad, who was her dad was Han Solo, and she was Princess Leia in the slave girl outfit. And their costumes were awesome. So I said, "Would you mind if I took a photograph of you both together?" And they said, "No, not a problem." So I took a photograph, and in the background, there's Bane. <laughs> texting somebody <laughs> bizarre nice <laughs> I mean a Batman outfit yeah I'd, I'd wear one of those too that'd be kind of cool I don't know what I'd really want to dress up in really I, ideally I'd love to be Boba Fett but uh, I'm a bit on a large size for Boba Fett really but it doesn't really matter as, as we found out earlier with the LA cosplay people it doesn't matter what size you are if you want to play that character you play that character but see I mean I'm six foot two uh huh and I can't get my voice as deep as James Earl Jones, but I could still get it down to where it could be intimidating. Oh, and then yes. just add a digital sound in there going, oh, I could do it. Because it's, it's very <laughs> profound and very yeah. thespian-like. <laughs> it's just awesome. We'll just leave it there. <laughs> Now, these next two guys won't mean much to folks outside of the UK, but they brought back some happy memories for a lot of people at the event, including Mr. Taylor Shearer, who went into complete schoolboy mode when uh, <laughs> he, he saw them. Uh, of all the, the people that were there, his reaction was completely different to these two guys. But uh, have a listen to this. Well, anybody from... My generation uh, knows these two guys really, really well uh, from uh, children's television uh, on Saturday mornings. It's the, uh, well, I shouldn't say one and only because it's the, the two and two only. And only. <laughs> two and only. Uh, Trevor and Simon, how are you doing, sirs? Hello there. How are you doing? I'm Trev. Oh, yeah, he's Trev. <laughs> and I'm Trev. What's my name? You're only. I'm, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm the other one. Yeah. Simon, Simon. That's it, Trev and Simon, yeah. So, and also, I should apologise because we should have Sophie Aldred with us. Who is um, Ace from Doctor Who? All right. Because she's part of this thing we're doing here, but she's not with us today. So she's busy elsewhere. So you are fellow podcasters. Yes. Yes. Um, so what is it uh, you are doing with your podcast? Well, the thing is, we call it a podcast because that's the word, but it's more of an audio comedy drama. It's an audio comedy sci-fi drama. Yes. It's I'll called uh, Strangeness, Strangeness in Space. And um, it can be found at strangenessinspace.com, where you can hear both episodes. There's only two episodes available at the moment. You can hear it for free, either at the website or a free download on iTunes. Uh, but it's the adventures of me and Simon and Sophie in space, lost, uh, orbiting up the planet Earth. And lots of weird things happen. In episode two, we meet a rhinocerbiker called Atrocious Kenosius, who is played by uh, Marufus Hound. Oh, so wow. we've got some really interesting people and some great people in it. In episode, oh, in the same episode, we also have Carol Cleveland, who is known to men. If you're a fan of Monty Python, you'll know that she was basically in every episode of Monty Python. So we're really honoured to have people like that 
involved. And the narrator of Strangers in Space is Dune McKeegan, who uh, yes. plays a character called uh, Bounty Flightingale. Oh, right. uh, but she's fantastic and very, very funny. So what was your inspiration to, to um, create a, a, a space sitcom drama? Well, it was kind of pooling all, I was going to say talents, but I don't know whether we should describe ourselves as talented. Um, anyway, Sophie, uh, talented Sophie, and me and Simon, and Claire, Claire Eden, who's our producer, we were all at um, Manchester University together. We all did a kind of drama course, and we all went our separate ways and did different things for years, and then um, Simon and Claire and Sophie met up. There was a 30th anniversary reunion. I know the 30th anniversary reunion. That's hard to say. It 30th is, yeah, anniversary yeah. reunion. Claire said, we should all do something together. And the end result is this, Strangeness in Space. Because we thought, okay, if we're all going to do something together, let's make it a comedy, because we can hopefully do comedy. And let's make it sci-fi, because that's Sophie's kind of... Uh, not that it, It's not a talent, is it? Sci-fi. But it's, a, it's an area. It's an a, area of yeah, interest. Yes. It's a genre. It's a genre. Uh, yeah. So we've combined all the different genres that we that we inhabit and incidentally for people who are really in the know Claire who is our, our manager and has produced it was also the producer behind the very highly successful The Minister of Chance which you may know of yes and if you don't know of The Minister of Chance track it down I'm actually in it yes. I play Gallican yeah I'm not in it Gallican Gallican he gets killed off very quickly alright Gallican <laughs> also I'm going to be in another um, uh, sci-fi uh, podcast audio drama by Dan who did uh, The Minister of Chance with Claire he's doing a new thing called The Light of September and I'm going to be in that as well Trev's not no I'm not in that either <laughs> who are you in The Light of September um, he's not got a name yet oh. because they're doing a crowdfunded thing where you can name my character oh, wow. so so if, if, have you got any links to that so that I can put that up on I, the, I, I, I can't I can't provide links to the light of September when we're plugging strangeness in space dot com no I can't Strang- <laughs> all I know is we are strangeness in space dot com, dot com and I'm guessing that the light of September if you search light of September it yes. will come up there's a Facebook page um, and you can also find it through looking at Dan's Dan's website which I believe is radiostatic.com brilliant now Going back quickly to um, your your former selves. Yes. Do you still not do duvets? Why did you ask? Well, well, it's all right, Trevor. Calm down. No, but calm down because the point is, the characters who don't do duvets are Don and Dougie Draper. They're not us. So we don't have to get bothered by asking us that. But Don and Dougie Draper don't do that. And by the way, this is the kind of thing that... I I love the fact that Don Draper... Trev played Don Draper. But since then, Don Draper has become the kind of main guy in Mad Men. But we were there first. Yeah. (laughs) But even Don Draper isn't in the light of September, is he? No, he's not. Or the Minister of Charles. No, no, John Hamm. John Hamm isn't. We should get John Hamm in Strangers in Space. Yes, that would be good. We've got to work on that. (laughs) Hamm being the operative word. Well, fellas, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you both. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, one of our counterparts was got his photo taken with you earlier because he's, he's a huge fan of yours. Oh. He had to disappear, unfortunately, so he's going to be really jealous that. Um, oh, we're sending my regards. Yeah, and, uh, so, uh, tell him to swing his pants. Swing your pants. Definitely, Alan. Alan is good at swinging his pants. That is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. 
yeah. swing your pants. Um, yeah, it's a um, <laughs> a thing swing they swing your pants. <laughs> a thing they used to do on TV. Uh, they used to play these two hippies, and uh, obviously they had the big flares, and uh, it was swing your pants. Uh, so the flary bit used to um, swing. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I will admit, I didn't... I have no clue who they are, but as soon as I said Carol Cleveland, I was like, Oh, Monty Python! Yeah. Yeah, the pretty much the only female character that was in Monty Python. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they do mix with some quite well-known people. Um, so, Trevor and Simon are well-known over here. Not so much for the younger generation, but for people of my age, and maybe a little well, bit and, younger. And as you said, primarily in the UK, because... Yeah. Um, for people outside of the UK, I will put some uh, YouTube clips in the show notes of uh, Trevor and Simon so you can see what they're all about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as I say, it was great to see them, because they used to be on... Uh, children's tv saturday morning tv is a little bit different in the uk than it is in the states mostly in the states it's like cartoons and stuff isn't it it used to be not anymore oh right okay in fact there was an article not too long ago lamenting the death of the saturday morning cartoon in america saturday morning tv shows in the uk were more like magazine programs where you had lots of different things going on so you had competitions you had uh live music you had um, gunge um you had um uh all kinds of stuff live audience so anything can happen <laughs> and it usually did <laughs> <laughs> If anything could go wrong, you know, they, they, there's a, that phrase, never work Murphy's with... Murphy's Law. Never, never work with animals and children. Never work without a what? <laughs> never, never work with animals and children oh, okay. uh, yeah, on, on live television. Because <laughs> <laughs> something will go wrong. But uh, when, when we used to watch TV in the late 70s, early 80s, these kind of shows didn't have, like, the health and safety uh, like they do today. <laughs> and... Uh, you look at them now and you think, how did they get away with that? <laughs> <laughs> Simple, we weren't as paranoid back then. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Oh, yeah. Um, there, there was a Saturday morning show in the UK called Tis Was. Uh, and that's a, a made-up word which stands for Today is Saturday, watch and smile. A lot of people's ears will prick up when I mention the word Tis Was because a lot of UK kids grew up with Tis Was and it scarred them for life, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's good to know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so we're back again at uh, Field of Force Day 3, and I'm with Simon Howard, who's one of the creators of uh, Field of Force Day. Now, I am indeed. Tell me uh, a little bit of how you both came up with the idea, you and JJ. <laughs> well, um, it really and truly, the, the idea was JJ's originally. It's, from what he came up with to what it is now is a, is a long journey. <laughs> um, but the idea originally was um, based around his friend Jimmy, who was who's deafblind. And he wanted to teach him about Star Wars, and he wanted to give him a bit of a uh, a day out. So he was putting on a day for twenty deafblind guys talking about Star Wars. The venue wasn't much bigger than this room we're in now, which is what about ten meters by twenty meters, maybe. About that, yeah. Um, and we had, in the end, four hundred people come to that event. So that was interesting. That sort of set the ball rolling properly because it really gave us an idea that actually, you know, there is legs on this. We really need to see what we can do with this. So we. Um, rolled the dice a bit and we booked this venue which is 
capable of holding 10,000 people and we sort of advertised it a bit with the limited budget that we had, thinking if we get 1,000 people, that's a success. We got the local council to put a bit of money in to help us to kickstart it because they purchased an area from us and that helped us fund the venue. Um, and then last year, 2,500 people came. Um, and it's kind of gone from there. So this year we sort of figured, well, it's gonna, the popularity is going to increase and we're going to have to see what we can do with this. So we've expanded the rooms that we're using within this venue, made it bigger, and I think we've probably maxed it this year in that we've, I think, I think through the door today we've had about 5,000 people. That's, Ooh, a, wow. that's an educated estimate, but considering this was less than two years ago, this was uh, 20 guys sat in a room talking about Star Wars. I'm quite pleased with that. <laughs> I've not had a business I've ever started that's gone quite as well as that. Um, and it happens to be the charity that I run that does it. It's like, damn. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I've been to various conventions and, and whatnot, and everybody I've spoken to has said to me, look, if you're going to do or cover uh, an event, um, you've got to cover Field of Force Day. That's really nice to know. That's really good um, to know. And we're talking people that are quite big in the know in there. I mean we're talking people like Pam Rose and oh yeah Pam Alan Pinchard Fling. first one yeah Alan's welcome for the first um, one brilliant that's, and, nice, that's nice feedback because they've not they've not come back since we um we sort of talked about it we didn't have the funds for their expenses last year so we couldn't quite get them back um so yeah we'd like to have them back I think they're going to uh, we're doing one in Plymouth next year and I think they're going to that so oh right that's so great. um where do you apart from you just mentioned there about the the, the, the Plymouth uh, extension if you like um, how, where do you see the convention going well the Plymouth one or generally in general um, well I'd like to see this as a sort of a benchmark that we want to set in terms of size and scale um, I'd like to have maybe three or four of these around the country each year plus a major event in a in a much larger convention centre somewhere I mean top of my head somewhere like XL or or maybe um, the O2 or somewhere like that I'd like to be able to say we can confidently book out a venue like the XL knowing that we're going to be able to cover the cost of doing it and knowing that we're going to walk away without me having to sell my house to pay for it so uh, so yeah that's what I'd like to be able to do and I don't foresee that happening tomorrow but I think the way this has grown you know, we're, we're looking at something that's got such an impact on people and really does have such a, a profound effect on people that we could well be looking at that in some, some point in the future. So if the XL are listening, we could do a discount. We'd love to come and see, see you. Well, I'm hoping they will be listening at some point because we're, we're going to try and get press accreditation for Star Wars Celebration. Brilliant, next fantastic. Year, so, yeah. um... Well, maybe then, yeah. <laughs> we're hoping to go there because the, the work we do as part of Sensory Legion is all around supporting people around different film and TV, and Star Wars was our fundamental... Um, element of that that was the first thing we did so we're really hoping to get to um, celebration next year and, and possibly talk about what we do um, I think having Warwick as our patron is helpful that will be yeah, uh, and uh, having some of the guests that you've had on I mean what with uh, you know Jeremy Bullock and, and people yeah. like that uh, was a, a good help as well absolutely um, and uh, you, you mentioned Warwick Davis um, I mean how did he come on board uh, so Warwick's been on from day one he's a um, He's a mate, really. Um, started off with JJ goes to the Little People UK conventions every year. I've been going to them the last couple of years, but he's been going since the beginning. And uh, and he got talking to Warwick and told him what he wanted to do. And I think, to be honest, that was probably the main reason we ended up with four people the first year was because Warwick was coming to it, and all of a sudden, boof, just people wanted to come and meet him. Um, so yeah, Warwick's support in that has been absolutely fantastic I mean the guy last year had uh, he cancelled about two weeks before the event and said I'm sorry guys I can't come I'm filming Star Wars so you know fair enough mate <laughs> you can't you can't help that 
and he could have, when they cancelled filming, he could have taken the day off. He could have uh, just driven home instead of going from Pinewood to here. And he drove half an hour past his house to come and visit us and spend the day with us here. So That's amazing. You know, and, you know, he could have just had a day at home with the wife and kids, and he didn't. He came and spent some time with us. So, so it's you know, something that's really close to his heart then? Well, I, I hope so, and, and everything says that. So, yeah. That's brilliant. So, in a few words, how would you describe what Field of Force um, Day is? Field of Force Day is an all-inclusive convention. The idea is that it's a convention that anybody can come to and literally anyone can come to it. So regardless of your disability, regardless of what extra needs you have, we'll accommodate you and we'll try and make the day something you can come to, which is something that I don't think any other convention in the world does. And that's what we're all about, is just making it happen. You know, anyone's, anyone's welcome. It's just... Uh, you've got to put things in place so that anyone can actually come to your events and that's what we're here for I actually spoke to uh, a couple of people in the States and said I'm coming to this event and they said oh what is it so kind of told them the, the, the gist of, of what's going on and they said to me why don't we have these events in the States I think well we're looking at it actually we've, we've got someone over in Colorado called Vanessa who's really looking at what we do and, and she's been really supportive of us and she's looking to try and do it over there I think in the States you've got it's a different culture in terms of what happens when something goes wrong and over here you can you, not, not so much you can take more risks but you can certainly be more confident that everything's going to be okay and no one's going to come back and try and sue you afterwards right um, uh, so it's a different it's a different way of doing it we'd have to have more sign off from different people I mean uh, Lucasfilm were really supportive of us from the word go and that's great um, but they don't have to be no you know, and, and in the States it's a different argument entirely you know they whether they would or not is, is entirely down to them so and i think now that lucasfilm are part of disney um the way that disney is particularly in their parks and uh, deal with um people with disabilities is second to none it's absolutely i mean i went as a kid so we're talking 92 so we went over <laughs> uh, my dad was in the air force and he was posted out in belize and we went to visit him and we went to orlando and um and while we were there, my brother's uh, in a wheelchair. He's got quite obvious and profound disabilities. And, you know, there was no... The people couldn't do enough. They just could not do enough to help you while you're there. And I think that kind of model of how, you know, just to see what do you need, how can we help you to have a better day, that's kind of what we try and do here. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, hopefully we'll get to the point where we're, you know... It, it, it's something that will roll out to other conventions as well. When, when the major conventions, sort of the big London conventions, start putting in place the things that are currently lacking in their own meaning the more people can go to them we're talking of 12% of the population here we're talking mm-hmm. of a good few million about 12 million people who can't go necessarily if they've got a disability so you've got a large chunk of people that you're missing out on potentially so it's you know from a business perspective it makes sense doesn't yeah, it's it? business sense yeah so. and whilst we've been here and I mean we've had smiles on our faces because we've seen the reactions of some of these kids, yeah. and it's just just magic to see. Yeah, I mean, there's, that's what you know. I've heard that a few times today, where people have said, you know, I've just spent the whole day walking around with a smile on my face, and that's brilliant. A number of people have come up to me and said thank you, and it's all well, all down to the volunteers, really. If it wasn't for them, <laughs> we'd be buggered. You know, it's, it's just uh, it, yeah. It's, we take we get a lot of love from a lot of people, and and we take it absolutely as much as we can take as much as we can from them because if they're if they're helping us and we can make more happen then that's epic as far as i'm concerned well we've we've been wanting to cover the event for for a little while 
and we're, we're glad we finally got here. And um, because we find the, the, the whole experience in high regard, uh, we'd like to make both of you, uh, yourself and JJ, uh, honorary crew members of, oh. uh, of TGP Nominal. We'd love to. And um, I will speak on behalf of JJ. He'd love to as well. And uh, if we can um, actually present you with a uh, honorary crew member patch. <laughs> Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm, glad, I'm really glad that you've had such a great day to do it. It really does mean, mean a lot. Thank you very much. Genuine guy. Heart on your sleeve. Uh, like you were saying about filling out uh, a place like the XL Centre. Now, the XL Centre is where Star Wars Celebrations is going to be held next year. So it is a, a big venue. It really yeah. is a big venue. I can imagine. <laughs> it would be a few years, I think, before something like um, Feel the Force Day packs out the XL. But he was saying they, that he thinks there was about 5,000 people attended this year. It was around about 5,400. Nice. So to go from, you know, a couple of hundred people to last year being 2,000 people going up to 5,400 this year, it's going from strength to strength. We are just a Sue happy society over here. And it's disgraceful. And it's keeping things like that away from us. It's insane. So, I mean, that, that was actually disheartening to hear. Not so much because it's preventing him from coming over here, but because he's right. Unfortunately, there is this big suing culture, isn't there? Um, and it is actually coming over here. It's starting to come over here. Yes, I know. I've, I've heard. And I do apologize for that being such an export. <laughs> On behalf of those of us who are sane Americans. Now, we mentioned JJ there. I asked JJ, who is obviously the guy who actually conceived the idea of the event, what Field of Force meant to him. And uh, this is what he had to say. Um, I would say, for me, it's just access. It's, it's all the little things that make a difference. There's, you know, there's a lot of guys things like Star Wars or Doctor Who and it sort of it doesn't run their life but it dictates, dictates different things so it might you know Star Wars might decide whether they go on holiday or what they wear or this sort of thing so it's although it's just television programmes it's in things that are important yeah. and it's given these guys access to that so if you've got people that maybe you could see years ago when, when Doctor Who was in the 60s and then they lost their sight and then now they remember Doctor Who, but I bet they don't know that things have changed. You yeah. know, Daleks have changed, monsters have changed, doctors have changed, and stuff like that. All that information gets sort of lost. It's like Jimmy, or, or I, my mate who was here today, we did the news story with. He's he completely missed Star Wars. Never didn't know anything about it. So through toys and touch and costumes and smells and that sort of thing, you can slowly build things up and fill in information which is once again it's down to access it's just you know allowing them to access it in their own way well you, I, I understand you took him to a um a Weird Al Yankovic concert yes we did we went <laughs> we got sent uh, we got donated tickets by Jay Levy who's Weird Al's manager and I sort of go into Jimmy mode and I think like Jimmy so if something comes up like that and I think Jimmy would love that. Um, so he was sort of like the ideal person to take it. I'd gone over some of his stuff before, but I'd browed up some lyrics and stuff, and it was epic. And it was 
you know, it's, once again, it's something silly, but that got him out. He got him to a concert. He's only ever been to two concerts. We had a meal in London. So it's all the little things that come with it. And now he's, you know, he's going out and looking for CDs and this sort of thing. And I'll brow up words and stuff for him so he can... He can't hear the music when he, he can get something out of the music, but not like we can. So he basically gets kind of like the, the bass. And, yeah, and just like a like noise. But, and I will brown out the lyrics for him so he can, you know, read them. But he's, he's happy with that. He gets, he gets a lot out of music, considering. So today, how, how do you think uh, today went? Um, but it was very busy, which is nice. It's scary, but it's very busy. But it's even now... This is what the third, yeah, third year. It's still, I, I still haven't accepted it all. It's just sort of I turn up, I we do what we do, and then I go home, and then it's it's sort of hard to comprehend what's sort of going on, considering how it started with just like, well, it's supposed to be a few guys in a room with some Star Wars toys, mm-hmm. and now it's you know we've it's been epic here today. We've had things. We never know until the day, really, what's turning up. We have a rough idea, but a lot of it's, you know, we haven't got a lot of money, so beggars can't be choosers. So things turn up, and I'm like, oh, we've got this today, we've got that today. And people love the event, and that's why they come. It's, it is really amazing event, and it, as you say, it's all about access, and yeah. I've, I've never known a convention that is accessible as it is. Even, even for able-bodied people, yeah. to be as close as you are with the, yeah. you know, the people on TV and movies, and um, I met one of my idols today, uh, which is Jeremy Bullock. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's I was having a party with him last night. It was very bizarre. <laughs> So, Joe, before we leave you, um, yes. uh, we've, we've done this with Simon already, and um, because you've hosted such an amazing event today, uh, we'd like to make you one of our honorary crew members Ooh, of TGP. That's exciting. Nation. That's lovely. And um, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to present you with one of our Ooh, crew patches. Epic. That's lovely. So Thank I you very much. I know you like patches. Yes, I do. I like shiny things. <laughs> I'm easily pleased. That's lovely. Thank you, guys. So if I can get you to uh, take yes. a photograph with it. Yeah, no, Meanwhile, the dreaded cook. I've got charity buckets this yeah, time. That's You've fine. Got a great look going on. No, I am. It's all happening. Sheila, thank you, guys. That's epic. Your image will be on our honorary podcast. Uh, yeah, we'll make sure it's that one. Yeah, yeah, it needs to be that one. It needs to be that one. It'd be wrong if it wasn't that one. Fair play, mate. It needs to go viral. You've done an awesome thank you. job today. Thank you, guys. Thank and, you. Thanks for coming. And thanks for inviting us along. It's all right. Yeah, thank you. So See you next so, year. Yeah, yeah, I hope if so. Not before. Yeah, 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 epic. Brilliant. Super. Thank, thank you. you thanks much. a lot. Thank you. So here we are at the end of uh, Field of Force Day 3. Uh, we kind of lost Alan a little while ago, didn't we? We did, but it was always a pleasure having him here while he was here. He's done some fantastic work for us, as always, and uh, yeah, great to see him. And, and well, we, we've uh, we've got a little bit of an interview for him uh, with the good old Trevor and Simon, which I think he'll be a little bit envious of. But uh, it was good fun. And just remember, we did it for you, Alan. Yes, we did. <laughs> we did indeed. So. Uh, your impressions of the day? I think it is one of the most fantastic things I've, I've been to today. Just the idea behind it, obviously listening to JJ and Simon and the reasons behind it, and even just seeing the interaction um, 
as well at the end between JJ and Jimmy which is a big reason for this particular day and you can see what it means to Jimmy as well um, it's just, and, and everyone that's been here today to be honest both uh, both able-bodied and not so uh, for me it's just fantastic uh, I think the, the in general the, the convention com- community and the cosplay community and everyone embraces you but Field of Force Day is just something else it's a, a truly truly magical event yeah it's inspiring and you know I think when you think of what those two people have achieved and then obviously all the volunteers that, that go into it as well that make it the great day that it is with, with all your different uh, legions coming in everyone coming in their different costumes everyone just kind of chips in the, the touch rooms that they had as well with all the different toys and things like that and just people are aware that you know some people may not be able to see their costumes so they're happy to let them feel the costume things like that that's it's it. just and that's what the day's about isn't it so and, it's fantastic and going back to the, the uh, touch tables it, it did feel good to know that something that we donated is good being put to good use and uh, I can only thank um, Dr Masquerade uh, Adrian Silas who actually gave us a, um, a Star Trek phaser gun uh, last time we met him and, yes on uh, the road to Morello's on the road to Morello's and um, um, I mean I enjoyed having it in my collection but it was gathering dust and I thought that it deserved to be with people that need to yeah people that get something from it, it. you know get some experience from them and there were so many good things in the, in the, uh, on the touch tables anyway and to, to add our piece to it as well so we've, we've kind of added a little bit to, to the whole experience as well and um, just makes you feel good to actually put something towards it uh, to be, if I'm honest I feel good anyway just from seeing the enjoyment that so many people have had today and that's genuine um, yeah everyone's had such a good time today and that only puts a smile on my face yeah. just seeing everyone having such a good time you, you cannot you cannot walk out of this building without feeling that yeah. you've been involved in something special yeah uplifted upbeat all of the kind of cliches you come out with but it's true everyone's just fantastic people stop for photos again the list just goes on with how great everyone's been today and I thank you boss for letting me come along for the ride it's a pleasure um, I, if I can incite anybody to come to these events then I will because um, I think everyone should come to these places and support Feel the Force Day because it is such a wealth, worthwhile cause 100% agree JJ himself is a very full-on character. Throughout the day, he was changing costumes, and he's not afraid to make a fool of himself. Uh, <laughs> when, when we took the photograph of him there, he was dressed up as... Uh, what was the character's name? What was the name of the girl in um, The Fifth Element? Oh, God. Yeah. Lilo, was it? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Well, do you know the, the bandage outfit thing? Uh-huh. Yep. He was wearing one of those... <laughs> <laughs> with a gin- oh, with a yeah. uh, with a uh, red haired wig, um, <laughs> and he and he had the multi pass as well. He, he even had the multi pass. Um, <laughs> All right. So yeah, he was dressing up in weird costume. He was dressed up as Slimer from Ghostbusters. He was Supergirl. <laughs> uh, that was disturbing. <laughs> He's not afraid to wear bizarre costumes and. 
that's what makes him fantastic. Yeah, he's a really lovely guy, and he will do whatever he can for charity. Hey, more power to him. As we mentioned in the last piece, Alan Taylor Shearer couldn't stay till the end of the event. So I decided to ask him to come on the show for his memories of Field of Force Day. I felt the force. <laughs> oh, the force was felt definitely. I was there taking photographs to support your podcast, and uh, I mean, it was a photographer's dream. Absolutely fantastic. Um, the characters, the cosplay, the and, and then just the people themselves, the kids and uh, the young adults and stuff. There were a couple of photographs which really summed up the day for me with the interaction between science fiction characters and the less abled people with disabilities and uh, there's there's a couple of photographs there which really show just how beautiful it is and, and the amazing positive impact you can have on people with uh, with these science fiction characters um, the picture I'm, I'm thinking about is an interaction between two blind men they're probably late teens early 20s mm-hmm. and uh, they're interacting with uh, one of the Daleks from the World War 2 episode of Doctor Who and uh, that Dalek was moving about amongst the crowd in the foyer in the reception area and stuff and these two guys were, were brought to this this Dalek and the interaction was amazing the photograph really just captures it the the joy you can see on these on these guys faces is just brilliant and and that for me summed up what I wanted to see at Feel the Force. I wanted to see interaction. I didn't want to see people say, oh no, you can't touch that and, you know, this, that and the other. It was, it was great that the interaction was there. And I know that is the whole point of Feel the Force is to feel, to interact, to touch, to, you've heard these things on films or uh, something like that. You, you've heard these people, you've heard the sound effects and all that kind of stuff. And now you can experience the, uh, the, the thing, the characters and the, things themselves and there was one other uh, interaction I took with uh, a lady who uh, an older lady this time but she was uh, she came into uh, came into contact with cosplay Groot and, and uh, this this huge sort of tree man and uh, she knew the character uh, but f- just watching her feel the character and it was it was surely was a, a it was pure discovery it was beautiful you know the first time she'd ever fell or and and the, just the way she responded to it just the way she reacted to it the and it was genuine amazement joy and she was expressing it all and uh, you know once again a blind lady um interacting with this this group character absolutely fantastic and and I saw this this character going on all across all, all throughout the convention for the time that I was there and unfortunately I wasn't able to do the whole day but the the stuff I saw was just brilliant and I, I came away feeling inspired and feeling that you know there should be more more of this and uh, you know it wasn't just your average convention with people dressing up and seeing who could have the best costume that's not what it was about it wasn't about who had the best costume who had the one that was closest to the original in the film or anything like that it was about people getting together having fun and these people actually being able to interact fully with the characters and uh, from the films and stories that they love in the way that we do you know somebody like myself i you know i've got i've got all my senses and everything and um, being able to uh, experience these these stories completely you know sound vision touch you know you can feel you see the all the all the interactions and everything and 
when when you don't have that full interaction the first time round, when you sit and watch a film and you don't see all of the effects, you don't hear all of the effects, you don't experience it completely, the opportunities like this, like Feel the Force, um, really give people that final key to unlocking the full st- the full potential of the story that they are able to experience it completely as we are. So that's what I got out of the day. Uh, I hope uh, that's uh, that kind of sums up what what I thought, just my thoughts initially on on the day. And it was my first time I'd ever been to one of those. Uh, I've not been to a, a comic con or a convention for many many years, so it was good to be back at one of those. And like I say, the first feel the force for me was absolutely excellent. And I can't wait to do it again. And and the thing is, what what you've been saying there is kind of a theme right across the whole day because everybody we've spoken to pretty much said the same thing. And I think that's what was trying to be put across. Well, that if that's what they were trying to do, then they achieved it very, very well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we got there, it was very chilled, wasn't it? It was there didn't uh, appear to be much panic stations and manic. Nobody seemed to be all flustered and, you know, and everything. That made a relaxed atmosphere for everybody that attended. That is what is needed at events like that, because you, you do have children and, and uh, young adults that do have, for example, uh, different parts of the spectrum of autism, and they can get excitable or scared or, or whatever, different emotions that you wouldn't normally feel but to them it's normal so also they had these like chill out rooms where they could you know just calm down and feel relaxed again Um, and and that was just just a lovely touch that they had there for that as well I chatted to to a couple. Uh, they were the parents of of a young man who come dressed as Captain America, and he got he got a very good costume, fantastic costume on. And he it was on the autistic spectrum, and his parents were quite elderly, um, probably in the sixties or seventies. And uh, but this young man, the joy and excitement it was it was a nightmare for his parents because they were having to sort of dash about and guide him, and you know they they were finding it quite stressful. But the joy on this young man's face was just, you know, because he was Captain America and he was having his photograph taken with everybody and the, just the sheer joy on his face was absolutely brilliant. And and I got some photographs of him and, and you know, that was the ultimate day for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was good to get me nerd on as well. <laughs> I was a geek for a bit, for a few hours as well. It was nice. <laughs> The, the one thing that we thought was quite quite funny was the fact that you had all these different people from sci-fi and um, and whatnot there, and uh, you turned into a school kid when you saw Trevor and Simon. I did, didn't I? <laughs> I'm quite embarrassed about that. Actually, <laughs> I became a I became a <laughs> a little a little schoolboy because <laughs> so, I've, I've you know I've I've followed these guys on Twitter and I've watched them and they've entertained me and uh, it was I, I was a bit starstruck. I've not been starstruck for a very long time, but I definitely was then. And I've got a great photograph of me and Trevor and Simon. Like I said in that piece of audio, right across the board, everybody felt the same when they came out. That's part of the fun of it, is to see the excitement that you know that everybody else is experiencing. Now, now Ross Simons is 
one of the organisers of Field of Force Day Plymouth, which is a spin-off from the original event and will make its debut in July 2016 and it will take place nearly 300 miles from JJ and Si's Peterborough event in the uh, Devonshire coastal town of Plymouth. And I asked Ross how he got uh, involved with Field of Force Day. So tell us um, a little bit more about uh, how you got involved with the whole Field of Force um, well, I mean, we we were talking about it as as uh, myself, um, Louisa, uh, uh, and Andy um, Gardner in Plymouth. I mean, we were we were talking about it a while ago, um, and they knew Cy and JJ obviously from from Peterborough and the Field of Force there initially. Uh, they sort of just told me about uh, you know what what the whole uh, the charity the, the first century Legion charity was and what they did and why they did it. And I just thought, you know, what a fantastic thing. Because there's, there's nothing worse than going to a, a convention and, and so many people just being there. That, you know, you, if you were, you know, had any sort of disability or you were in a wheelchair or anything, you just you wouldn't really have a have a, a chance of, of enjoying it. You know, or being able to really participate as you, you know, you, as you should be able to. They already knew, um, obviously, what, what they've done up in Peterborough for the last few years and all the success it's been and how it's grown over the years. And I just said to Louisa, I, I said, you know, I said, why don't we sort of look at seeing if they, you know, they would allow us to, to bring it to another part of the country. I said, it's, it's only really ever been held in, in Peterborough. And I'm sure, you know, as you can see, it draws, you know, thousands of people from, from those areas. I said, but maybe if we, we looked at seeing if we could do something with it in the West Country, um, you know, we'd maybe be able to draw a different audience in, um, you know, make it a, a, a sort of a, an event which is able to be participated by people nearer to us. So then also have other people in the country maybe more aware of, of, of you know, what the charity is, what the event is, and then, you know, maybe sort of look at seeing if we can do it down here on a regular basis. Obviously, with, with all of us being costumers that are involved, sort of knowing, um, you know, signers and, and other, other costumers and stuff, we sort of thought, well, you know, let's, let's give it a go. Um, JJ and, and Cy were obviously like, yeah, fantastic. You know, this is, this is brilliant. And they're very much, um, you know, helping us, uh, make sure we get it right. Obviously, make sure we follow the, the sort of guidelines and, and the, uh, the success of what they've already managed to achieve over the last couple of years. And yeah, now we're, we're sort of, uh, we, we didn't want to go too full blown into it already simply for the fact that we wanted, you know, we didn't want people to get muddled up between the, the one in Peterborough this October and, and the one in July, you know, just in case they thought the Plymouth one was this July. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, we kind of kept a bit quiet, you know, and just sort of gone about it behind the scenes and, and contact people to come down to, to sign and also contact people to come down in costume and the people with the cars and props and stuff. And like I say, now we're, we're sort of kind of full steam ahead. Now, now it's like, right, okay, let's, let's, let's do this. But I mean, the other thing is, is just, you know, knowing that you're going to be able to bring, you know, not just Star Wars, but, but TV and film in general, you know, to, to so many more people that maybe just aren't able to, to appreciate TV and film, you know, the same as, you know, a normal person or a normal body person could, you know, and, and, you know, with their use of their touch or whatever else, they can really enjoy it. Obviously, using the abilities that they do have. Um, like I say, everybody should be, should be, you know, allowed and everybody should be able to, to, to enjoy something, you know, just because you, you, you can't, you know, can't do this or can't do that or, or, or whatever else. Why, why shouldn't you be allowed to enjoy it? So I very much hope we're able to keep up the good work that the guys of Peterborough have already done and, 
uh, and, and you know, keep that going forward and, and uh, just bring bring TV and film to the people, basically. Yeah, I mean, um, I, but, I know when I was speaking to Simon at the, the Peterborough event, his dream really is to have them all over the country. Absolutely. Uh, so absolutely. that people who can't travel far yes, it, uh, haven't got so far to go to one of these events. Well, that's it. Well, that's it. I mean, like I say, I mean, for myself, I mean, I'd love to have gone, you know, to the Peterborough event, you know, the, the, the issue I actually have, I actually have any myself. Um, and because of my ME and, and my sort of chronic fatigue, I now don't drive. So, you know, for me, it was, I just couldn't get there. Um, luckily, uh, Louisa and Andy, um, they did. And it was great for them to be able to see what, you know, the setup, which has already been done. So now they've come back full of ideas of what we're now able to do in Plymouth. But, you know, there's no reason why, you know, we couldn't, you couldn't have a field of force day in every city in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, there, you couldn't, there's no reason why you couldn't have a field of force day in every city in, the, in every country. Yeah, I mean, that, that's very cool. Again, I'm kind of envious that uh, you, you live in such a small country that you can do that without too much of an issue. Otherwise, like, okay, what? Let's have one in uh, New York City. Where else can we go that we could, you know, get it exposed to more people? Let's go all the way to Los Angeles. Ugh, you know. I mean, when you think about it, all these big cities have hosted Comic Cons. So there's yep. no reason that they've got the facilities there. Absolutely. So there's no reason why it can't be done. But there are a few red tape issues. Yeah, just a few. But it would be nice to have a. Um, stateside version of Field of Force Day. Other notable guests that appeared on the at the event was John Chalice, who played Boise in Only Fools and Horses, para-Olympian gold medalist Naomi Riches, who I spoke to, but for the Garbage Pod podcast, so look out for the episode that features her, that's coming very soon. Ventriloquist and Britain's Got Talent finalist Steve Hewlett, and Haley Joe Whitney, who featured in a Specsavers commercial as an aerobics instructor and managed to coerce JJ into doing a, an aerobics workout on stage, which was hilarious. Um, it was done to um, I'm Sexy and I Know It. Uh, the, the video will be in the show notes along with Haley Joe's commercial. Do you have um, Specsavers in? in the states they're um, an opticians doesn't sound familiar we might but i don't know of any because i know they have it in australia i was just wondering if it been made stateside as well and um, basically their tagline is you should have gone to specsavers there's there's always somebody who's short-sighted and, and done something really dumb because they can't see what they're supposed to be doing um the, one of the classic uh, commercials is um the the space shuttle landing at luton airport in the uk uh because they um <laughs> misguided where they're supposed to be landing <laughs> <laughs> which is which is a really cool commercial. <laughs> That's just weird. It's a really I'll, I'll have to dig it out for you so I can show you the commercial. But it is it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this this uh, the one that this Haley Joe Whitney does is um, she turns up at uh, an old people's community centre uh, and they're expecting a bingo caller to come out. She turns up on stage and puts her um, boombox on the stage and starts going, come on, everybody, let's get going. And not because she's short-sighted, she doesn't realize they're not her aerobics class. I have seen that one. (laughs) I have seen that one. Okay. (laughs) Well, she did a a kind of a live version of that on the stage and and got JJ up to... um, do the workout with her and <laughs> but it was quite funny to watch 
Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spanheadproductions.weebly.com. So, from what you've you've heard of Feel the Force Day, John, it's it's quite inspiring, isn't it? That is very cool because it's all for those who otherwise couldn't do it. We kind of take it for granted, you know. I go to PAX every year, you know, and I'm just hanging out with everyone, and I can see everything, and and I, I get it, I get the whole feeling, and so forth. And we take for granted that not everybody can do that. And uh, I think it takes somebody who's actually had connections with people who have got disabilities to be able to think that way. And as both Simon and uh, JJ have, you know, been connected because Simon's got his brother who's who's disabled, and mm-hmm. obviously with Jimmy, JJ's friend, who was the inspiration for the whole convention, and that's what made the difference. So before we go, I would just like to thank JJ and Sai for allowing us to be part of such an awesome event. I'd also like to thank Adri Mallows and Alan Taylor Shearer for joining me on the day. Everyone we spoke to at Field of Force Day, especially Amy McLean, who took the time out of her busy schedule to uh, re-record with us. Ross Simons for coming on board at short notice to tell us about the Alan Fling appeal and of course last and by no means least mr burger for his support the show wouldn't be the same without you no it would be better (laughs) (laughs) and also um whilst we're on the air thanks for the the netbook uh it really helps out this evening (laughs) glad to see that that little piece is finally getting some use (laughs) yeah john uh, sent uh, a netbook over that was basically gathering dust for you wasn't it and um, more or less yeah and you sort of said to me I, I know you need one to play the sound through and put your script on and that kind of thing it's been such a blessing this evening <laughs> so that only leaves me to say take care one and all and uh, we'll speak to you all again soon Turtles. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. Be sure to visit www.tgpnominal.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. Let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com because your input is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the page that include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also TuneIn and Stitcher On Demand Radio. Don't forget to rate and review us. You can also listen to rebroadcasts of all our shows on the Awake Radio group. You can find a link on our podcast pages. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages, and don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.